Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Ben, why do we do this? I don't know. We just keep doing it over and over again. We're obligated, both contractually and morally, to keep going. Do you think our show would be more popular or less popular if we went to one episode a week? Wow. Wow. Um, I don't know. I, I think it would be equally popular and potentially less popular due to the outrage that that would cause. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there's definitely some people that wish we would do three a week. They're like, why not Monday, Wednesday, Friday? And I don't know like, if those people are our friends for yeah. suggesting that. Um, I would but, love to produce this show five days a week. Like, it's not, it's not a matter yeah. of will. Yeah, it's it, it's it's a it's a major time commitment. <laughs> yeah, I just I was wondering about that because I I I was thinking about it. I don't think I have many podcasts in my feed that go as often as we do. Yeah, and I was like listening to our uh, our fellow Max Fun podcast, the Flop House, and they're like twice a month, I think. Yeah, boy, and I was like, what a life. Ooh. Yeah, I know. For me, when we first started out, I was like, I wanted to. I wanted to build up a bunch of episodes uh, that were that were produced, so that once people eventually found our show, they would see that we were legit, and, right. and had a and had a like a nice well to pick from. Like my only intention was to like just build up a quantity that would somehow equal credibility. But <laughs> but now that we are unfortunately like more credible than we had ever hoped for, like yeah. now we're still saddled to that effort. And that rate, yeah. Well, I mean, who knows? Uh, who knows what the right thing is? But uh, I, I feel like we're pot committed at this point. Sure. Yeah. I don't know that we can do anything about it, Ben. <laughs> yeah. Even if we wanted to. Yeah. You're probably right. This is. Episode 16 of Season 3, The Offspring. Sure is, Ben. Not those offspring, Adam. I was not really looking forward to this episode based on what I remembered, but I was pleasantly surprised. Really? Yeah. I found myself getting distracted by my cell phone. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, this episode opens interestingly, and and we should also note that this is the... uh, this is the directorial debut of Jonathan Frakes. Yes. Uh, the first the first time a cast member took the reins of a show. Oh, is it? Yeah. I that's, think uh, that that sounds like a fact that you may have actually read somewhere. Sure. It is, but I I found myself kind of digging uh Frakes's directorial style. They write the Riker character out of the episode right away, like in the in the log. While Commander Riker is away on personal leave. Picard comes on the log recorder and he's like, "Hey, uh, we're just—I <laughs> don't even know what he says." He's like, "Hey, we're we're just cruising around, and Riker's out on shore leave. Uh, now that that's out of the way, let's get into the plot." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's actually verbatim. I think that's exactly right. what he says. Yeah. So, uh, West, the boy, Troy, and Jordy 
have been hauled down to Data's lab, and they're like, what does Data want to show us? Do you have any idea what this is about? Something happened at that cybernetics conference. Since he's come back, he spent every off-duty minute in that lab. Another conference trip. Do you think that the crew members keep their conference badges, like, hanging on the back of their closet doors? I bet. No one devastates an, an open bar the way Data would. Uh, <laughs> one of those Howard Johnsons. Jeez. Yeah, he's just got rolled-up singles. Yeah. Yeah, you think uh, you think his abilities and techniques are appreciated in a hotel conference environment? I bet they are. Yeah, man. Are you kidding? Yeah. They would be a hoot at a hotel conference. Yeah. Well, they uh, they get there and once again the the doors don't lock on the Enterprise, so Wesley like punches the button and opens the door and and uh, Dana goes like, "I'm in here." And punches it again and it closes. Yeah, but not before they see him holding a severed foot. <laughs> That's kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. And, uh, and so it cuts to the inside of the lab where Data is, like, mushing this foot. Like, there's some, some like, electronic and mechanical crap hanging out the end of it. And he, like, slides it up inside <laughs> of the stump of a leg and, uh, and uh, starts, like, booping on buttons and uh, the leg comes alive and the toes twitch and he hits a button and the whole assembly goes up into the ceiling and he lets everybody in and uh he's uh very excited to introduce them to a super weird looking android that he made named lol mr data (laughs) as a man who respects the creation of real dolls everywhere i must tell you your doll frightens me. <laughs> it, does, it lacks many of the sexually appealing features that I think you should consider. <laughs> For example, most inflatable dolls have large open mouths. <laughs> and there are obvious reasons for this. Your doll has a very small, closed mouth. I thought right away, oh great, Data's made a real doll. And it is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's that real, is not like, the reaction that Troy... Uh, that Troy, Jordy, and Wesley have. They are just sort of bemused, aren't they? Yeah, the, there's a lot of... There's, there's. I think when you are pals with Data, there's a lot of just letting him do his thing and, and not fucking with him too much about it. So Data, Data introduces Lol to Troy, and she's like, very pleased to meet you, Lol. You know, she's, she, she's going to give him the benefit of the doubt for a long time. Yeah, and LOL is kind of terrifying. We should we should probably try to describe uh, it at this point. Um, it's it is like a, it's sort of glossy. Yeah, it's, it's got like the orange version of Data's <clears throat> yellowy, greeny skin. Yeah, um, it's shorter than Data by like a head. Yeah, and its its face sort of looks like it's really angular. Like it's sort of like uh, sort of like it's, it's like, wearing a flesh colored helmet. It's like that guy that hangs out with Pizza the Hut yeah. in uh, Spaceballs, yeah. but but fleshier. Hello, Lone Star. Sorry, wrong switch. <laughs> yeah, and it sort of speaks in a stilted... I mean, it doesn't sound like a robot, but um, I don't know. It sounds a little bit childish and yeah, strange. It's like, the whole it's, image is just... It's arrhythmic. It's not, it's not robo. It's like the, yeah. the every word kind of comes out as almost like the beginning of its own sentence. Yeah, and Data uh, introduces Lal as his progeny, like 
Like he has assumed the role of a parent to right. this individual. The gang is like, wait until the captain hears about this. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Picard is not psyched about this. Picard pretty much goes full Maddox at the beginning. He's like, kill it, kill it now. Like, you didn't have my permission to do this. This isn't the first time that Data's sort of gone rogue on doing something and not telling the captain. Like, he, right. was, uh, he was sending emails to that little girl uh, last season, and Picard was super pissed about that. She was and, kind of a sparkly orange color, too. Yeah. Yeah, she might have inspired the look of Lal at this point. Yeah. But, man... Picard just goes off on him in the ready room. Yeah. And in a Picard. way that you'd never see him do that to a human crewman. Do you think that he he feels free to become enraged with Data because he knows Data can take it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely the most angry at a crew person we have ever seen Picard at this point. And What's his beef? Well, his beef is that Data went and made this thing without clearing it ahead of time. And Data's logic is like, hey, listen, like when Riker sows his oats all over the ship, nobody's demanding that he file a form in advance of that. Yeah. Like I I reproduced, you know, I don't need your permission, dog. Yeah. (laughs) And Picard is like, yeah, but when you reproduce, it's going to be a baby that can like rip holes in the hull because it's going to be super strong and super (laughs) fast. You know? Yeah, that, which is a constant problem with anything data-related. <laughs> so begrudgingly, Picard is like, well, you know, you did this thing. I guess this is a good opportunity to to study the idea of, of creating a sentient robot and, yeah. and sort of onboarding it to, to living on board a starship. And the first order of business is making it look less terrifying, right? Yeah, well, but before we get to that, the other side of Data's argument, which I think is interesting, is that... Until now, I have been the last of my kind. If I were to be damaged or destroyed, I would be lost forever. Which sort of maybe hints that his uh, his penchant for her suicidal behavior may be coming to an end. He can see the advantages of backing up his hard drive. Yeah, For maybe sure. he's he's gotten out of the reckless heyday of his 20s, and now he's like 30s, like starting to have a more chill lifestyle. Or maybe this frees him up even more. <laughs> like if he has a backup around, maybe he's even more uh, death happy. Well, I guess we'll find out in the coming episodes. Right, that remains to be seen, doesn't it? He just kept talking in one long, incredibly unbroken sentence, moving from topic to topic so that no one had the chance to interrupt. It was really quite hypnotic, hypnotic, hypnotic. So we go down to the holodeck, and they've asked Data, like, why, why does Lal have kind of a strange nothing in between its legs? <laughs> Mr. Data, what exactly are you supposed to fuck on this particular <laughs> model of doll? None of the holes are big enough for anything. <laughs> you could maybe slip a pinky into its mouth. <laughs> I find your doll utterly boring, Mr. Data. It's the first time I've been tempted to do what I did to the Hooshnock to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> but you have shown so little respect for the world of real dolls. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so they're on the holodeck, and it, and it becomes clear that uh, the next step for Lal is to select its appearance, because this is a choice, a choice yeah. that it gets to make for itself. 
Yeah. It's like how I thought that I could name myself Wesley. Right. <laughs> Ex post facto. <laughs> Whereas you were incredibly wrong about that. Yeah. Well, that... I wonder where I learned that idea, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely watching this show when I came up with it. <laughs> I'm glad you chose Wesley instead of Lal as far as uh, <laughs> as someone to go around introducing yourself as at camp. Yeah. This is kind of a fun idea, right? Uh, Lal is a blank, a blank yeah. person. And right. Lal can choose uh, what physical properties to possess. And, yeah. and so they've narrowed it down to four finalists. And uh, this is a very cool like motion control special effect where Lyle is standing in front of sort of a holographic mirror and the camera pans around the entire room as the subject is changing in front of the camera. Like they're they're blending between four different shots. Lol as a Klingon, Lol as an Andorian, Lol as a what were the options? A human male and a plain looking woman. Right. Human woman. Right. So she's definitely leaning human, like yeah. two of the four are human. Yeah, and, and she winds up going with the female human. And so the rest of the episode is sort of split between two storylines. One is Data kind of teaching Lol how to get along with others and like what it's, you know, like there's a scene in his room where he's like just pointing at objects and naming them. Painting. Painting. Colors produced on a surface by applying a pigment. The rest of the episode feels like Android Splash. Yeah. You know? Like yeah. fish out of water story. She's right. learning how to eat and drink and, and and be with people. And then the other side is that the uh, the word has gotten back to Starfleet Command about this new Android and they've gone fully ape and there's like an admiral that's breathing down Picard's neck to ship the android back to the Daystrom Institute so that they can pull it apart and Maddox the shit out of it. Yeah, and this admiral is totally Maddoxing, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's. Uh, it's kind of peculiar that they did not select the character of Maddox to play this role. Sure. But it's another interaction between Picard and an admiral that uh, goes less than good. Yeah, like, and um, feels sort of adversarial from the jump. Yeah, you sort of wonder how much leeway Picard has to just directly defy what an admiral is asking him to do. I mean, like he's the captain of this flagship, but he does do a lot of like, "I'll take that under advisement, admiral," but fuck you. Yeah, yeah. I think I don't think he can let go. Uh, the whole bug episode of conspiracy, you know? Yeah. I think that's going to be a going concern. Show me that neck, Admiral. Th <laughs> then we can talk. Yeah, you got any nubbins? They show Lau's advancement through some scenes here. Most of them occurring in Ten Forward, and Guinan makes an interesting foil for Lau's growth as a human. Right. Much much like Data was a terrible person to put in charge of telling Q how to be human, Guinan is like the awesomest person to right. put in charge of telling Lau how to be human. Like, yeah. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of fun stuff going on in Ten Forward. There's people holding hands on a date. There's people making out in the corner. Ben, I've I've long always been able to tell, like when you when you go out with someone socially, 
Yeah. You, you can tell the people who have worked in a service industry job by how they treat other people. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of another version of that, right? What is What better way to learn how to become a good human being than to work a service industry job? And that's what they stick loud with. They make yeah. her a server in 10 forward. Yeah, and um, it's like, man, it is like, it's like going to the show for your first day day at the ball game like right. she's she's there like you know trying to mimic people at some point Riker's shuttle comes back he like wanders into 10 forward and she starts trying to like mimic the the flirtatious behavior that she's been observing <laughs> and Riker like, really does a great job of uh looking shocked and and uh <laughs> and appalled when when data calls him on putting the moves to his daughter (laughs) she uses her super strength and like rips him over the bar and makes out with him it's sort of great you're new around here aren't you yes low low put him down Riker was unable to grant consent in that exact moment right but you know she's learning yeah but this demonstrates a problem right she's she's mimicking human behavior without really able being able to understand uh its context and yeah. and when it's proper to demonstrate those behaviors and when it's not yeah and and um at certain point the admiral admiral Haftel gets so pissed off with picard he's like just stop your ship where it is i'm coming out there hops on his own starship, catches up with the Enterprise, and he comes aboard with the intention of grabbing this android and booking it back to Starfleet science. And Picard is in full Voltron lawyer mode for the rest of the episode. <laughs> you know, Haftel, like, steps into his ready room, and he's like, he's like, Admiral Haftel, you're supposed to come here to form an opinion, not to back your own goddamn opinion up, <laughs> Theo. He's fucking great. He's like, hey, guess what? Like, there are laws about this, and I wrote them. So, yeah. <laughs> so what do you think of that? Like, he, his dog gets super bigged by Picard in that scene. It's great. Yeah. I mean, Picard's making good points. He's like, if we've established that Data has rights, then so too does Lal, and Data has, like, rights as her parent, and, like, there's nothing that you can do unilaterally here. And so Haftel, like, like at some point he goes down and sees that she's working in 10 forward and gets really, like, freaked about that. He's like, this is not appropriate. This, You know, she's going to see people... She should have a better job than this. She's yeah. better than this. It gets all uppity about like her being too good for a service job. This is your idea of appropriate guidance? Yeah. Fuck you, Admiral. Yeah. Your your kids all get sweet internships that pay super well. Yeah. Yeah. The rest of us have to fucking work in restaurants. Fuck you. So things things finally get to a head when Haftel's like, uh, check it out. I'm just gonna make it in order. Like, get ready to send Lau to me. I'm taking her back home, or I'm taking yeah. her. I'm taking her to get scienced. Right. I'm. It's gonna be like an interview, but he's like going to break the news to her at the end, and and so they sit her down, and it's a pretty rugged scene because like Data's not there, so Picard has to sort of be her advocate, but he doesn't want to like be openly defiant of the Admiral in a way that's gonna get him in trouble. Right. 
So he winds up finding a good angle, which is like nobody has actually asked Lal what she would want in uh, the event that two different options were placed in front of her. Sure. And uh, and Haftel is not persuaded when she says that she wants to stay. So he tells her that like what his plan is, and she fully loses it and like runs to Troy of all people, and she has like what can only be described as an emotional meltdown in front of Troy. An admiral from Starfleet has come to take me away, Troy. I am scared. You are scared, aren't you? Uh, Which is, you know, Troy is like completely freaked out because she's not expecting Lal to be sending emotions her way. Her expression of her feelings is to like place her hand over her her sternum and to like hit it over and over again yeah which i found a, a really like that really hit close to home to me for some reason like how do you how do you physically express that that you're scared or that you've had your feelings hurt like that yeah. that seems to me as is that could be is as good as any any demonstration of that like if you're unable to articulate it like that's how you do it i think this actress did a great job with a very very challenging part you know, like she goes, like she goes from being essentially a tabula rasa at the beginning to yeah. an emotional character with fears and hopes, yeah. and at the end, and and it's a pretty seamless transition. Like she definitely like ratchets that up, like scene by scene, to the point where this is pretty pretty plausible, pretty uh, pretty well done. I thought a lot about this as I was watching the episode. It has got to be so much harder to act a little bit robotic than to right. act fully robotic. Like, she's super nuanced in her performance in a way that made me appreciate Brent Spiner's performance even more as well. Like, to just barely be off enough yeah. to, the, to where you can just sort of read artificial without being totally camp robot. Yeah, that was just like- great. Acting in the uncanny valley, yeah, intentionally, totally. and that that seems so difficult. Laos trucked it back to her quarters. Like she's so upset that she's she runs back there with Troy in tow, and Troy radios Data and says, "Hey, you better get back to your lab. Uh, your daughter's really upset." Yeah, and she's like, she's like had a, a meltdown. Like it's it's fused her circuits where she's she's not really present anymore. She's just kind of like can respond to very basic inquiries. And right. uh, we're really lucky her meltdown didn't manifest in such a way that like she tears Troy's arms from her body, right, and, or and, like punches a hole around. in the window or something. Yeah, like she's incredibly dangerous at this moment. Yeah. They uh, they do some diagnostics and they find that there's like a cascade failure and there's a way that they could maybe reverse the the damage but it's it's like gonna be some shit and Halfdel uh, to his credit offers to help Data and he graciously accepts that offer of help and they like kick everybody out of the lab and go to work and then like there's a scene where West. Jordy and Troy are like standing outside in the hallway and Halfdale comes out like the, you know, the surgeon that has lost a patient. He's like pulling off the rubber gloves and he's like, there's nothing we could do. Personally, I hate it when any real doll dies. 
I feel like it's a loss for the entire universe. When the rubber wears out, there's just no patching it up. You can send it back to the factory, but there's only so much they can do. And every time you do it, it adds seams around the the groin area, for example, and it just becomes quite unsightly. Those seams do not look natural, and they they chafe. They're very uncomfortable. Uh, this is terrible. <laughs> I didn't feel like this scene worked for me in particular because Haftel didn't earn any sympathy at all. He was an asshole the entire time. And so he pulls him 180 and turns into concerned surgeon. And Well, I don't think that the... I don't think that the script was asking us to have any sympathy for him. I think it was like his redemption moment. Like, wow, like, even though he was an asshole, like, I guess he was coming from a place of, like, genuine concern. He was just wrong in his decisions surrounding that concern. Yeah, I guess so. Not to defend this episode or anything. but Oh, <laughs> not to defend an indefensible episode. <laughs> yeah, and so, uh, so Haftel's like... Uh, if you want to go say goodbye, I think these are the remaining moments. So they go in there and witness her final words to Data. You can tell that mentally she's kind of spooling down and in a way, like kind of working backwards through her intelligence. Like she grows less and less sophisticated until finally she just stares into the middle distance and that's it. Yeah. And uh, Data comes out onto the bridge and announces that... Uh Lal is is no more, and uh, Picard's like, "Hey, attaboy! Like, that's that sucks, but we're all we got your back." And Data's like, "No, no, no! Like, Lal's still here. It's, I downloaded her into my own mind, so she's 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 gonna be around." Yeah, which in a weird way, like the way that he describes it as like all of her experiences are my experiences now like i have i have all of it like right. we are now we're like two people living in me which also means that data has kissed Riker, <laughs> which i thought was a fun thought that is a fun thought yeah so data's made out with two bridge crewmen yeah pretty cool and that's the end of the episode i mean the the bridge crew rises and and offers their condolences to Data, and Data's like, no, I appreciate that, but, you know, Lal lives, Lal lives on. Yeah. And that's our end. That is our end. What'd you think of this episode, Ben? It doesn't sound like you liked it. I think there's a lot to like about it. It just, it's just boring to me. Like, yeah. I, I feel like they, the central drama... This was 20 minutes of story stretched into 40. Yeah, and the central drama is just a retread of the Commander Maddox episode where they established Data's personhood. Right. You know, like, they didn't really add to that argument at all. And the, like, there is a small amount of interest in the idea of an android first becoming aware of its surroundings and learning how to how to plausibly interact with humans, but it's not interesting enough to build half the episode around it. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, like I think um, from a performance standpoint, I thought that like the acting in this episode is as good as, as uh, it needed to be, if not a little bit better. And there's some fun lawyer Picard. There's some fun stuff with, 
uh, with the Admiral. Like, like Data did great. The featured performer did great. Uh, I don't have her name here, but uh, uh, that was Haley Todd as Lal. Yeah, and but but that did not add up to an episode that I was like on the edge of my seat watching or even like thinking about a lot, you know. Yeah, Data had never expressed an interest in reproduction until now. I mean, I guess outside of fucking Tasha Yar, <laughs> like, like this this really sort of came out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, how often I mean, have you ever gone to a business conference and actually came back inspired? That never happens. <laughs> That's a good point. I didn't. Uh, I didn't think of it that way, but that may be the most unrealistic part of this this episode. I thought Frakes' direction was pretty deft for for a first timer. Like, yeah. he did a lot of steady cam. I noticed he chose a lot of scene opening shots from different angles, angles we hadn't seen before. He got yeah, to play the, with a set that we've never seen before, which was the the Lao Lab. Yeah, and the scene where where the admiral meets Data is in that lab, and it's really really smart uh, shooting, like really great directing the camera in that scene. Everybody is shot in a single that's kind of closed in on all sides by stuff in the foreground. Yeah, and they it really like establishes a feeling of they're all kind of dead set in their in their point of view. Yeah, which is a a better like a more artistic choice than you get in a lot of these episodes. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. It just didn't like it didn't quite add up to a, a, a fun one for me. He god shots a conference room scene as the establishing shot, which yeah. was like really interesting. And I don't I don't remember ever seeing a shot like this on the show. And I don't know if we ever return to a shot like that again, but. It's neat to see rooms that you've seen a bunch of times from different angles like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had to just be like in that set a million times and looking up at the catwalk and going like, why don't we ever just take a tripod up there? Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, pretty cool. I hope that means we get more more visuals like this down the road. Yeah. Adam, why don't we check in with the subspace radio and see if we have any messages coming on over it. I'm going to mess with the dials and see if we get anything. <laughs> Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. We only have one message on the Priority One subspace today, Adam, and it's a personal message. It's from Captain Josh, and it is to... Clint, quote, John Benet Ramsey Wiseman. What does that even mean? I don't know. Is Clint missing? Missing and presumed dead? She was like a little Miss Sunshine type, right? Clint must be a very special girl. A pageant girl? Clint pageant queen Wiseman. (laughs) Uh, So here's the message. Thanks for all the dope porch hangs. Well, you do take me to Lead, South Dakota for weeks, leaving me in that shit condo while you seek dark matter in the science mines. I know it brings us closer to first contact. <laughs> Next, can we could try Mango Tango and quit the boring Strawberry Licious? Also, my atomizer needs replacing. Your beloved vape pen, Captain Josh. 
<laughs> this is to be clear. This is all entendre, right? Yeah, I I feel like um a little bit like Picard and in, uh, in Darmok, you know. Like yeah. I'm sure all of this means something, but it's metaphor. <laughs> Why are they drinking mango tangos and strawberry licious when uh, Coco Nonos are available? Oh yeah, that's a good point. Dark matter in the science minds. What do you think that means? I get the sense that uh, this is a very special relationship, and I'm I'm glad that we have viewers that have uh, close personal relationships. You know? Yeah, me too. I'm glad they I'm glad they use all this jargon. <laughs> Your beloved vape pen. Yeah, the imagination really runs wild with the idea of somebody being a vape pen of somebody else. Is Captain Josh the the ferry boat captain that you're familiar with? Is this the I same guy? I think that's what the what the reference is. Yeah. Huh. I'm glad to have him as a viewer of our show. <laughs> you think he's up there laughing as he drives you to work every day? Yeah, looks back at me like that guy thinks he's playing tower defense games on his phone, but really he's getting boated around by Captain Josh. Wink, finger gun, giant cloud. <laughs> That's how he disappears. Yeah. Poof. <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much for sending a message using our airwaves. If you'd like to send a message, fair viewer, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. It's $100 for a personal message or $200 for a commercial message, and it helps keep the lights on around here. So thanks. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. <laughs> 
It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. Yeah, Adam. Shimoda's. Do you have one? <laughs> Drunk Shimoda. I'm going to put you on the spot this time, actually. You're going to turn the Shimoda table on me? Mm-hmm. I'm going to make you take the first isolinear chip out of the stack. The purest expression of a drunk Shimoda in any episode is the is the individual having the most fun. I thought the mm-hmm. tone of this episode was especially serious, except for the scene in 10 Forward when Lal kisses Riker. Yes. And just the look on his face of of joy and panic and titillation, like that was that was really broad frakes right there. Like yeah. uh, non-verbal, non-verbally communicating about a thousand different emotions at that exact moment. I mm-hmm. I thought it was great. Like, and he only he's only on screen for like thirty seconds, but he contained multitudes in that moment. <laughs> and so, and so my vote is for Frakes' performance as Riker being sort of rape kissed, I guess. <laughs> Adam, you said what I was going to say, but so much better than I could have ever said it. <laughs> I'm sorry. See, that's what that's what you get for turning the Shimoda on me. I stole your Shimoda thunder. I think that I would have given a light thunder in the distance, and you gave us a, a full-blown overhead thunderclap, and I really appreciated it. Really Zeused that Shimoda this time. Yeah. <laughs> do we have a better episode coming up next time? We do! Uh, The next episode is Season 3, Episode 17, Sins of the Father. When his long-lost brother appears on the Enterprise, Worf is thrust into a life-or-death battle for his family's honor. Do you remember that episode, Adam? I feel like this is the first of many episodes where Worf and Picard truck it back to the Klingon homeworld and do some lawyering, right? Yeah. And it's hard to distinguish this one from... uh, (laughs) <laughs> the many of those that follow. So I will just yeah. say that, that this is the beginning of a longer story arc that I do remember. Nice. Well, uh, I can't wait to watch it with you. Yeah, me too. Let's forget about The Offspring. Much like we've forgotten about the band. <laughs> ben, viewers far and wide can support our show by going to MaximumFun.org slash donate. 
and making it something they contribute to uh, either yeah. one time or every month. Uh, yeah. We also really appreciate people going and reviewing our podcast on whatever podcast aggregators that they use. Uh, there's yeah. there's a number of them out there. There's the iTunes. There's the Overcast. Those are the only two I know, actually. But I know there's more. Yeah, there's a recommend button in Overcast, and I think it links to your Twitter account so that other people that follow you on Twitter will see our show in the recommend section. Sure. If they're looking for something new. Um, you know, I was thinking it would be cool to see our show in the Onion AV Club at some point. I know that they write about podcasts, and I think that we're at the level to get mentioned there from time to time now. So much of our press has been unsolicited, though. It just happens. And now you're now you're conjuring something, aren't you, Ben? Well, wouldn't, it, just, wouldn't it be nice if we were on the AV Club? I'm I agree. Not saying, I'm not saying anything, but if you like are out there and actually know like a way for that to happen, uh, we'd love for that to happen. I have no idea how they pick those things or, or whatever. Don't, don't like irritate the people that pick them. Uh, I think it's Twitter just fun talking about our show with interested people. Yeah. Wherever they are. That's true. Well, uh, we're also uh, we're also on the Twitter using the hashtag. We hash- are on the Twitter. Using the hashtag greatest gen, you can talk to us about the show and, and all of our other viewers who participate on there. It's really lively. A bunch of people making funny pictures and funny references. We're on Facebook in a number of places. We've got a group and a page that you can follow and like. Yeah. Uh, we're on we're on Reddit. The Maximum Fun Reddit is the official Reddit of the show. And uh, we have an unofficial page at r slash greatest gen that a couple of our listeners have put together and they did a real fine job on it. Yeah, there's a did you see that there's a Kevin Uxbridge with an inflated doll on the uh, on the banner of that now? Yes I did. We should thank Dark Materia for our music and Adam Ragusia for our other music. And with that, we will be back at you next week with a, another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and a super honorable episode of The Greatest Generation. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.